but then we looked at decks that were successful in raising money and those that weren't. And the decks that failed to raise money were actually looked at longer on average than the success decks. And within the failure decks, the product pages were actually looked at way longer. BuzzFeed has been very successful. They create these little tiny snippets that are easy to intake. Uh, you should think about your content the same way. It should accomplish a specific purpose. Like if you need to build the giant white paper thing, fine. Make sure you track it, but like don't, don't put too much content there because people don't have a lot of time. Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. This is part two of a three-part mini-series with Russ Heddleston, CEO and co-founder of DocSend. Russ chats about some counterintuitive observations around fundraising pitch decks, the consumerization of enterprise apps, and whether the rise of voice interfaces could actually kill DocSend. Founding with two friends, I think that's an ideal thing, it's a wonderful thing. Was there ever a sense at the start, or maybe when you were going through rough times, that you know it, it could put friendship at risk as well? Because it's such a big deal to be kind of uh, with each other and working hard together so long. Did you ever feel, um, is, there, is there ever a consideration there? Do you think all friends can start companies together? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Some people are great coworkers. Some people are great friends. They're definitely not the same thing necessarily. <laughs> and some people can be both. And yeah, you're definitely putting your friendship at risk if you decide to work with somebody. Uh, our, our VP of uh, strategy is also someone we went to Stanford with. And um, remember when we were deciding to work together or not, we kind of like sat down and like kind of made the rules where it's like, really want the workout we really like you just remember it, you can be fired and this this might you know not just from our perspective but also from his perspective like this might end badly and so just think if you want to put that at risk but if it goes well like this could be great you know and so i think you do have to uh, acknowledge that that's a possibility i'm happy to say nothing like that has happened we've also worked together before as well um and so we've already been through it uh and, and i've already kind of figured out each other's working styles, which goes a long way towards making sure you have like a continued healthy like work relationship and, and friendship outside of work. Although we work enough at this point that you know we like we see each other enough so that we hang out with other people when we're outside the office. Which usually. would be totally normal, yeah, yeah. <laughs> An article uh, you co-wrote in the Harvard Business Review uh, mentions that you examined 34 million interactions between customer customers and content on your platform. Um, that's a lot of data focused on a very defined area. Um, so do you have a strategy to deploy some, some deep learning uh, to your platform at some point in time? Uh, yeah, you know, um, we always joke about AI and our CTO, Tony, says, he's like, oh, by AI, do you mean a little bit of math? <laughs> yeah, we apply a little bit of math in a lot of places. <laughs> I think in some AI courses at Stanford. Um, one of the intern projects we had was a Stanford intern uh, used a, a neural net to basically uh, take in a whole bunch of factors because we know what's in the content, we know the words, we know everything about the content, and so we can basically score things based uh, in a predictive way based on how engaging we think those pieces of content are going to be. And that was actually like a fun proof of concept, um, and that's definitely something we're going to like do more of in the future, um, using the data to help make people more efficient 
be smarter yeah. to save them time. It's crazy to think about going forward. AI will apply in a lot of places and there's going to be a spectrum of like, people tend to overuse like deep learning or ML or like, like some things are definitely more complicated than others. Sometimes just a little bit of math will actually go a long way in getting done what you want to get done and in saving people time. So you don't necessarily over need to over-engineer over everything. Yeah. But yeah, you're right in pointing out that there are a lot of areas in uh, what Docsend yeah. does where we can leverage the, the data we have to help people be better at their jobs. Cool, very cool. Um, that same article, uh, you mentioned an interesting stat that the average viewing time is two minutes and 27 seconds for content. Do you think that's going to shrink dramatically over the next five or six years? Yeah, people's attention span has definitely changed, I would say, uh, let's just say over since the invention of the internet. Uh, <laughs> I, I usually tell marketers when they ask me for advice on content, I was like, BuzzFeed, who's also a customer, I was like, BuzzFeed has been very successful. They create these little tiny snippets that are easy to intake. Uh, you should think about your content the same way. It should accomplish a specific purpose. Like if you need to build the giant white paper thing, fine. Make sure you track it, but like, don't, don't put too much content there because people don't have a lot of time. Oddly enough, uh, most ICO white papers are sent out as docs and links as well, ah, uh, which is really? uh, kind of a fun, fun fact. But the two and a half minutes, I think, is actually a really long amount of time. There is a lot of information transfer that can happen in two and a half minutes. I was shocked. I thought it was going to be like 30 seconds or something. Me too. I, I had the pleasure of meeting and actually introducing the SAS Monster stage yesterday, Monica Adractus from uh, Workplace and Facebook. And uh, she mentioned that currently humans have an attention span of eight seconds, which is one second less than a fish. But yeah. she says that we're not far away from the dipping below three seconds. Huh. Uh, you know, yeah, one I've third heard of that the narrative fish. as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing that I thought that was interesting, we did this research on uh, fundraising decks uh, a few years ago, and the, the research is still valid. That actually hasn't, hasn't changed at all. But we had uh, we asked everyone for permission, obviously. But then we looked at decks that were successful in raising money and those that weren't, and the decks that failed to raise money were actually looked at longer on average than the success decks. And within the failure decks, the product pages were actually looked at way longer. And wow. so as I was kind of looking through some of these things, I found myself looking at them longer too because I didn't understand what they were trying to communicate to me. Wow. So sometimes more is not, you know, like more time spent is like not a good sign. So, so I always so tell less marketers. Is, less is more in, in, yeah, in, in, yeah. in content if you, consumption. If you ever heard a good narrative, it flows well, it seems obvious to you, you don't have to over-focus on it. If a part of it doesn't make sense, you're asking a lot of questions around it, yeah. that's not necessarily good for the storyteller because they're, you're, you're, they're not getting to the end and they're not communicating efficiently what they want to. Absolutely. Um, so how busy have you been here? Have you had a chance to see the wonderful city of New Orleans? Uh, New yeah, Orleans, went, as went, I say here. Uh, yeah, uh, Nola. Yeah, I went uh, jogging around on Sunday and on Monday, and I was like running around to, to get to know the city. It's a beautiful spot. Um, so yeah, it's my first time here. It's been wonderful to see. You, you have amazing reviews on uh, G Two Crowd. You know, are you do you follow that? Uh, the the where you are in the quadrants for sales enablement and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've always like we got we always get these awards, and G Two Crowd is actually a really good business, and they've done a very good job of like kind of disrupting that particular space, uh, and that's actually great for us because they. Um, you know, some of the other like more entrenched players, let's just say, it, it's a little bit harder to get the voice of the people uh, and, and to like really discern what the, the truth of the matter is. 
And so, you know, Dachshund really shines in a place like G2 Crowd because we have really uh, emphasized and, and spent a lot of time on usability, ease of adoption, like really removing barriers to using the software, which is why we have almost 6,000 companies that pay us now. Wow. And, um, and so it's great to see, like we haven't had to do anything. We just have enough customers and they're all kind of typically forward-leaning companies. And so they're on G2 Crowd and they review us and they give us great reviews and then creates a feedback loop. And that's also why G2 Crowd has a great business. Oh, they've an amazing business. Uh, I think it'll be, it's the third one for Goddard Able, and I think it'll be bigger than the, the previous yeah. two put together. I think so too, yeah. The, people have talked about the consumerization of enterprise for a long time, and everyone's like, why isn't it here yet? <laughs> uh, and you know, I think G2 Crowd is actually doing a lot to further that, because you can browse vendors faster, get a more accurate answer, yeah. and to the extent you want to prioritize easy to use software, or software that's adopted well, or software that just delivers on the value proposition that's promised, G2 Crowd can help you discover those things. I agree, I, I use it all the time. It's uh, it, it, When I look at a capture, uh, I think of it as just a place to see what's out there, and it's, it's, I know it's a good marketing tool. Uh, and when you look at uh, the Gartners and the Foresters of this world, Gartner's a very strong business, but uh, you know they, they are really too slow, and, and it's, it's basically a magic quadrant because humans decide where <laughs> things go, whereas yeah. it's, it's data-driven and, you know, uh, it's data-driven crowdsourced reviews in, in GG Crowds, so I think that's why. So it's great to see you doing so well there, um, phenomenally well. Oh, thank you. Um, so, one of the things that's happening today, and I believe it'll, it'll, it'll be even more impactful than maybe uh, it's predicted, is that voice is becoming a huge part of, uh, is becoming a huge area of focus, uh, voice interfaces. Um, do you see a day uh, coming, uh, maybe five, six, seven years down the line, where um, there will be less documents, so there will be less reading, and there will be more more hearing? Can you, uh, you know, and if if that paradigm shift did happen, um, you know, is you would you have a, a plan with your platform how you might work with that? We might be left in the dust. Well, I um, remember hearing a conversation while I interned at at Face or at uh, Microsoft where. Someone else was telling me about how Steve, uh, like uh, Gates and Balmer in the early 90s were talking about when Office would die because they could see the internet coming, you know, kind of the, the localized WYSIWYG editor, when, like that was like, maybe an outdated concept with the notion of the internet here, and we still have PowerPoints. And there are all these startups like, yeah. we're going to kill PowerPoints, and it's like, ah, I don't think anyone's ever going to kill PowerPoint. I think what usually happens is just the number of things in, in use expands, but very, very few things die if they if they are that entrenched. And so I think you're always going to have synchronous versus asynchronous. Um, and I'm a huge believer in the power of voice and the voices interface. I actually uh, figured out I had hearing loss about a year and a half ago in one year, wow. and I got a hearing aid, and it's awesome for listening to podcasts through or taking calls on. And I'm like, voice is really powerful, especially the notion of like uh, being able to do that through a hearing aid. Um, but I, I do think. Uh, Perhaps as your point about attention span goes down, the importance of content and being able to consume it on your own time in a really busy world will actually probably increase in importance as well. 
you know, asking for uh, a face-to-face -face meeting, like who has time for that anymore? Can you just send me the cliff notes? Is that, you know, that'll, you know, I'll, I'll read it in two minutes and 27 seconds and get all the value I would have gotten out of a 30-minute meeting. You know, so I think that there's a drive for that efficiency as well. Uh, the, the voice interfaces, I, I think, will definitely play a role in the whole thing, but I think they'll probably be kind of a parallel track to what Docsend is doing. Okay, um, and speaking of tech trends, is there a tech trend outside of uh, what you're doing directly with Docsend that really excites you at the moment? Um, yeah, there are uh, a lot of them. I um, used to um, be an advisor for Startex for a number of years, and you know I've, I've been fortunate to invest in a, in a few startups and just try to be helpful whenever I, I can. And uh, one one of the trends that I've been seeing among startups and been like really pushing people to do is uh, some some businesses like really have great defensible moats built in out of the gate. And sometimes, if you're able to pool data together, you're able to leverage that to to just do smart things that were never possible before. Uh, so you know, the startup I was talking with is gonna uh, has like a bio lab on a chip, and so they want to help biology researchers move faster. And everyone's kind of doing this on their own in their labs now. And if you have this on a chip, well, one, it's faster, cheaper, smaller. That's really good. But two, you actually can see everything that they're doing. If you can centralize all that data, maybe the big idea is not just a better, faster, cheaper thing, it's we can use the combined intelligence of every single biology lab in the world to make everyone move faster. And like that's the sort of thing where sometimes it's just a little step away and for entrepreneurs to be like, oh, that's actually the really big idea here. We need to make that the goal. This other thing is just a mechanism to get there. And so whenever those businesses are created, they're really big businesses. and. I think that there are a lot of them that still need to be created and there are just more opportunities for them every day. In the final part of our three-part mini-series with Russ Heddleston, he reflects on San Francisco as a startup city, discusses whether it's better to go after small or big customers initially in the B2B SaaS world, and gives some advice on personal financial stability before an entrepreneur jumps into a startup. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thank you to Ketsu for music provided under a Creative Commons license. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show a rating.